0: Hello, I'm Scotia Molkovich. Welcome back for another episode of Creative Responders in Conversation, our monthly interview series where we hear from people on the front lines of the arts and emergency management sector as they prepare, respond, and recover from disaster. Today's guests are Rosie McKeon and Lee Tesh. Rosie and Lee are both Hobart based artists, and we invited them to join us to talk about their work on a project called Afloat a beautifully executed, creative recovery initiative for young people that took place following the flooding that impacted the greater Hobart community in 2018. The project is a shining example of what can happen when local governments understand the value of the arts in recovery projects, and not only instigate arts-based programs, but also support experienced artists to execute these projects in consultation with the community. As we'll discuss in this conversation, the City of Hobart instigated a range of recovery projects in the wake of the floods, under the banner Resilient Hobart. They were designed to equip residents with tools to get ready for, respond to and recover from disruptions to normal living. The funding was obtained through the Community Recovery and Resilience Grants Program and were jointly funded by the Australian and Tasmanian governments under the natural disaster relief and recovery arrangements. Rosie McKeon's practice in community is extensive and she has been engaged by the state government agency Arts Tasmania to mentor emerging community artists. Rosie was the arts educator at the Tasmania Museum and Art Gallery an artist in residence for many years at the Fayhan School. As you'll hear in our chat a lot of Rosie's work is based around drawing and visual literacy and her work is grounded in the pedagogy of Reggio Emilia and Eileen Adams. Lee Tesh is a performer and facilitator of arts and community projects. Her work includes storytelling performance and workshops for young children and families in the Small Stories project and as a clown doctor, she supports artists to work in healthcare through InScape Tasmania and is currently undertaking her PhD in arts and health. Lee is currently a key contributor to Atelier, a collective of artists developing their practice with children and young people. I particularly enjoyed hearing Lee and Rosie's thoughts on their relational way of working and how their open, arts-based approach was so effective in providing a space to listen, reflect and centre the experience of young people as a visual path of their recovery process. I hope you enjoy this conversation with creative responders Lee Tesh And Rosie McKeand, We have a very special Creative Responders today in conversation with two guests. I'm here with Lee Tesh and Rosie McKeon, both joining us from Hobart, Tasmania. Welcome, Lee and Rosie. Thank you. Hi, nice
1: to
0: be here. I'm calling in from Mianjin, Brisbane, in uh, Yagro Turable Country. Whereabouts are you two? You're in actually Hobart, or? Yes, in the
1: city. From the island of Litrawita, Tasmania.
0: Beautiful. Mm-hmm. So we became aware of your work through the afloat project, which you've both had wonderful, diverse and rich creative careers leading up to that and working as a team on more than one project together. But I thought we'd start talking about afloat, which was a project created in response to the floods across greater Hobart that happened in May 2018. Could you set the scene for us a little and tell us about the floods and what was it like when you, for you when it took place?
1: Well, the floods itself, I just remember um, in May of that year, there was just torrential rain. I know I'm up fairly late and I seem to recall um, my son showing me images, which was obviously going through on social media of the university. I think the engineering department just had this wall of water go through it and thought of people were posting these photographs and friends who finished their shift at the Royal Harbour Hospital and came out and their, everything was covered in water because the river had flooded. So it was very, just torrential rain and I guess our house, as usual, leaked and probably a little more than usual. There's more water coming through the ceiling. Um, yes, but I guess that um, we didn't realise at the time just how much damage had actually been done at the time.
2: Yeah, yeah I was a bit the same. I was in, in bed, I remember, and I was thinking... This is just actually staying here. You know, the storm just seemed to be staying in the Mm. one place. And it went on for hours and hours. And I lived actually uh, near the sea and I could hear it roaring down at the beach Mm. and all the stones and rocks. And I knew it would be flooding underneath the house, but I just really, you know, couldn't go out and have a look. (laughs) I just stayed in bed and thought, I'll look at it all in the morning.
1: I think the most devastating image for me was, I think, the next morning seeing that the university... law library had been flooded yes, and they yes. the books were literally lifted up and strewn all over the yes. um, all over the oval at the university. Oh, wow. It was quite extraordinary. And the same
2: for me uh, with the beach, it was only stone, you know, a huge boulders. The beach yeah, yeah. absolutely gone.
0: Yeah. It had been mm. stripped of all sand. its sand.
2: Yes mm. it was a really yeah fascinating really part. Mm.
0: Mm. That's interesting. As a land lubber, <laughs> I don't often think about the sea in flood, although in Queensland we, we lose a lot of our beaches quite regularly in the mm, kind of torrential yes. cyclones, etc. but from rain, mm. it's a kind of interesting concept, yes. isn't it? Washed and the away. sound,
2: I think the sound was huge. You know, It was just you know, really booming around us for hours, it seemed mm. like. Mm.
0: In the aftermath of those floods, uh, you both became involved what would become a float. So mm-hmm. it was a project focusing on three- to six-year-olds using creativity and play as a way to help those children deal with the change and the associated feelings following this event. Can you tell us how you became involved and what was the motivation for you in terms of setting it up and pushing to make it happen?
2: Well, with me, it was just Sue Hay from the city of Hobart asking me if I'd like to be involved. And uh, when I researched it, um, I thought, yes, that's an interesting Mm. project because I'd worked in the... In that area for some time, in the um, uh, with the earlier's foundation, and so just working in that area and thinking, yes, well, this is um, two play groups, one play centre, and one uh, primary school.
0: Mm. And were those centres and that primary school affected by that flood directly? Yes, yes, I
2: they were on the river.
1: Yeah, mm. I guess that's kind of where it came from because the council. Um, did get the funding they asked us to be involved which was fantastic because you know often as an artist you're trying you know you're trying to get involved you're trying to write the grants to get involved Um, but they actually saw the need and I think it was because of those those young children centres along the rivulet that were flooded and were you know they closed and they had huge Mm. amounts of water and of course a couple of the Childcare centres are right on the yes. rivulet and so they were completely sort of washed through. So I think probably Sue and the council were responding to mm. uh, the, the need for young children because that was the demographic of, of mm. South Hobart too, had a lot of young families. Yes. There's a very strong small uh, play group there that we also work with and maybe it was that that that's why they wanted to do something I mean, as you know, there were a number of projects that the council, uh, the City of Hobart, had funded for the recovery, and um, and many of them used arts.
0: Yeah, it's interesting because often there aren't projects for that particular demographic. The zero to six oh, year old often miss out on a lot of uh, recovery thinking. So it was mm-hmm. pretty uh, uh, wonderful that the council had that in mind. And I think at that time too, there was also a lot of research coming through around this ongoing impact that young people particularly coming through quite major disasters uh, start to show signs mm. of what that trauma has done for them and their capacity to kind of feel safe in the world. So it's Mm-mm. pretty great that the council was forward thinking mm. in terms of um, mm. activating so quickly.
2: It was wonderful really. Mm. And they were really enthusiastic. And, mm. Very supportive. Um, and supportive and of mm. us. Mm. Mm.
0: So that. The program consisted of a series of workshops. Um, can you talk us through how the workshops were presented? Like how did you engage those children and who were involved? How, how were you supported mm. in developing the work?
2: Well, we had to think about the age group and how we'd in, engage the children in that age group. So it was really about, um, you know, everything changes. We thought if we got, if we anchored around actually change, you know, how things alter and the cycle of things. You know, it it can be a disaster, but then we, you know, move around that cycle and we move it into other areas, just working through that cycle. Mm. And so we'd start to engage the children through a a really drawing where I'd draw uh, a scene um, actually of the mountain. I'd do the skyline of the mountain. And the children would say, oh,
1: that's our mountain. That's mountain. our mountain. Yeah, that's yeah. <laughs> A lot of ownership.
2: so recognisable,
0: isn't it? <laughs> yes.
2: And then I'd have the rivulet coming down and I'd ask the children, you know, if there are other things there. And so um, they'd have the street and the cafes and the centre and the school and the bridges. So that had all come into uh, the drawing. And then I'd start to draw the clouds with actually charcoal. And they'd come over the mountain and then all the rain would come down and then I'd rub the charcoal out and the sun would come out and the sky would be blue. So this story would evolve and the children would be talking about it all the way through. So I really responded to the children in the drawing. Mm. And so it became, um, you know, really a sense of where they were um, Mm. and placed for them. Mm.
1: Yeah, so we we were really aware working with young children around the whole topic of... Of the floods and trauma that there is a risk of you know you don't want to re-traumatize children of that age around Um, you know revisiting and in a frightening way these experiences Mm. which is often about our adult response um, to the disasters quite understandably Uh, so we really um, based the work in listening to the children as Rosie said and you know that was a great example that drawing exercise that she described that we did every time we worked with the children um, because they did identify with their environment and their Mm. place and so what our aim was for them to experience the rivulet and what it means and, you know, we we made sounds, we did told stories about the rivulet and we, you know, we we acknowledged that it changes and it gets louder and it gets noisier and it floods and what happens when it floods and it was really about helping them to feel safe and secure, being able to draw and experience and talk about the rivulet um, as a way of feeling safe. Um, around
0: an environment that changes. Yeah, changing it into a narrative rather than a fear. Yes,
2: yes. And, and they, really, drawing enables children to add to all the time. You know, they'd uh, remember things and so mm. I'd add that to the drawing and then they'd say, and this and that and the other. And so the drawing would come on. So they actually had, um, you know, the ownership of the
1: story, and the great thing about working with Rosie, that was a real joy in the whole process. But we both bring different um, skills, so we mm. did a lot of drawing. We did, um, we made things as well. We did three dimensional, and we had this. We had this blue <laughs> cloth that we used every time. That was the became the rivulet, and um, and we actually, I do more sort of storytelling and. Um, Performance and so we, we you know I always perform some kind of story from the things they told us about the rivulet mm. and the the animals that you know well they all told us about the platypus they all yes. told us about the mountain um, they and all the native, told us about yeah. the noise and the, and so, the turbo chooks and so it was all around so that you know all these characters emerged out of the mm. story of the rivulet and um, and because we went back. There were four different areas we worked uh, centres uh, and we went back another time, you know, we went back at least twice. Yes. So we always sort of were building each time we went in some creative modality that yes. was all about expressing
2: stories of the rivulet. And, and we'd start with the same format, mm-hmm. you know, the story. Mm-hmm. And um, so the children didn't really come in at anything that they weren't comfortable at, you know, mm-hmm. they felt really comfortable. So we'd ask them about what they did. Uh, the time before when we came and they'd actually brought the story again for them. So it became an easing into the story and mm. so they were able to add to it.
1: I think they felt empowered by that story yes, then, that yes. it was, and this, comfortable was, and this was their world mm. and they felt, you know, good about it, yeah. Mm.
0: I was just wondering how you worked in conjunction with the the staff, the, the educators that were um, with those children
1: that was a big part of it in fact right from the beginning there was lots of liaison and lots of talking and um workshops workshops. and Mm -hmm. we ran two workshops for educators or parents um all around because really it is about you know the adults being there to hear the stories and in fact after the workshops you know more stories came out um for the children about their experiences as well so it was really about this enabled the art making enabled them to see their world uh, from a safe and secure place. And the yeah. adults being around, that was very important part of that.
2: Yes. And at the beginning, uh, we had the workshops for the parents and the staff of the centres so that they would understand how we were going to work because I feel that that's a really an important thing. Mm, so that's say. interesting.
0: So how did the parents uh, engage with your work as it developed? Well, we
2: do the same with the parents as we would uh, with the children. We started off with the drawing of the story and the parents told the story and the staff told the story. So they had a feeling of how, how it would work and what it feels mm. like to actually be mm. involved. So they have a really good understanding because I think it's, it's really hard sometimes when um, you're... Uh, staff in the centre and you have someone come in and you're not sure how they're going to work and you don't mm. know whether you really want the children to be involved with this. Yeah, you have to build you know, that trust, feel,
0: don't you? Yes, you mm. really
2: feel protective of your children and you think, mm, no. So having those... Uh, workshop, so they knew exactly how we were going to work, and they are confident that it wasn't going to be our outcome; it was going to be the children's. And I think that's the important thing: where we we stand back and allow the mm. children. We we actually plan like mad yeah. <laughs> before. You know, I write uh, plans to you know 15 minutes even sometimes. <laughs> I go out of it. and then we put them aside and don't look at them. Yeah. But we know exactly where we want to go.
0: It's embedded in. So we
2: feel you? comfortable. Mm. Yes. And so we know how to guide, perhaps even though it's the children's way, we know how to, how to guide them perhaps in a direction that we think is comfortable for them and has their interests at heart. And we can then uh, build on their interests and expand on that. So it's really bouncing off the children all the time and standing back, taking care and um, time and um, mm. yeah, listening to mm. the children. Mm-hmm. So that, as I say, well, we know exactly where we want to go.
0: <laughs> yeah.
2: The children have ownership.
0: Yeah. When you say you know exactly where you wanted to go, what what were you hoping to achieve for the children and their and their families in this context when you started your planning? Where you set out on this journey?
2: Well, we wanted. To, I think it was about uh, really change, wasn't it? We mm-hmm. wanted them to be aware of change and to feel comfortable with change,
1: and um, and to feel safe to feel and safe. secure within that world. Uh, and celebrate and be empowered by their environment, not, um, you know, not devastated by it or not, um, Mm. that's probably not quite the right word, but it was about empowering them to feel Mm. confident and safe and know what to do and um, that this, you know, that's living in an, in, a, in a world and in an environment that can change mm. and that it, we need to respect as well as um, understand. Mm. And Well, one thing we did, really Lee, remember,
2: you would tell the story and we'd have um, uh, those uh, rainmakers. We made, you know, we we made, made rainmakers, rainmakers, yeah. So it would go very, very quiet and Lee would tell the story. And then all of a sudden, it would really build up, and they'd make all this noise, and then it would go soft again. So they had that feeling of, mm. you know, of the rhythm mm. of things mm. that things will mm. change, and they did feel comfortable. And more.
1: I think about using drawing and storytelling; it's it's providing a safe space for the children mm. to express themselves as well. So that was our other aim: was just to provide that safe space where they can they can draw, they can um, tell stories without any judgment, and that that safe space enables them if there is something that is sitting with them that they need to tell, that they can tell. And also
2: with drawing, I always give skills um, for drawing. So when we were speaking about the chuk or the Native hen, I'd say I'd start by, you know, patting his head and then feeling his tummy and having a line going down his back. So it gives children an introduction to Uh, really drawing in a skill it's about line it's about feeling shapes it's about you know blurring shapes and so when they started to draw they had this um, way of actually uh, making marks but also um, supporting it with the language like oh feel that tummy it's soft it's round it's blurred so all these um, you know language that comes uh, through drawing as Mm. well and so then they would go off and and do some extraordinary mm-hmm.
1: things. And also, mm-hmm. it's, and that, you know, just hearing you say that, Rosie, that's also they're putting that down on paper. So they're yes. also having that opportunity to express their world, yes. um, you know, and for a- adults to engage with them around that world, if they, yes. you know, so that it opens up those relationships and communication and opportunities yes. for them to express how they are. Um, by those, you yeah. know, so that's kind of... And then
2: the wonderful thing with the drawing uh, with the blue fabric that I found at the tip shop that <laughs> went forever, um, they put their drawings onto it with some stones and sticks, and then I built the Dharama. So that was the mountain, and then would have the cloth coming up and would be outside on an oval or something like that, and they'd anchor their drawings in certain parts of this. Um, Uh, You had fabric, blue fabric for the river, and then uh, Lee, you did your bit. Told the story from whatever
1: people were saying that you know whatever the children pick up on the
2: children, and and we flowed go down this blue fabric like the river. That's right. (laughs)
1: Yeah, and that added in you know what each of the animals that they talked about would do Mm. in a flood as well. So it did bring in that element of what do you do? Well, you you had that uh, wonderful line about the frogs. So
2: then the children would say to the frogs, so what do you do? Yes,
1: so I would be the frog, you know, (laughs) and the children ask, what do you do in in the river? What do you do when it floods? You know, those sorts of conversations could be had in a playful way.
0: Yeah, creative joy really, isn't it? Like, And I think, you know, early childhood, those younger children don't necessarily have the language or the vocabulary to express yeah. how they're thinking or what their emotions might be to try to identify them and it's in, in these creative modalities that we can uh, reflect and therefore have learning from that because without that reflection or articulation... The learning of the experience doesn't happen, does it?
2: And we don't have have, have an opportunity to uh, really gauge their understanding unless we reflect. Mm. If we reflect and hear from the children, then we can gauge their understanding of where they're at. Mm. So it's very important to do that. Mm.
0: And did the, were, were when you were working with the young people, uh, were their parents there as well, or is just the educators? Did you do something um, collaboratively?
1: it uh, yeah we 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 worked because i think there was two childcare centers and they were the educators uh, and the, and there was a school which was a kinders at the, the school, school uh, yeah. or preps and they were there was the educators and the teachers there uh, and we did also do a play group and there was obviously parents at mm-hmm. that um, so that was quite mm. a collaboration with the parents um Yes, and then when we did the, there was a cumulative day. That's, yes. That sounds bad. Culminatory. Now, what is that how would you say that? The day, culmination, it all led, the day, day of all A day of culmination. Yes, <laughs> the day. A the, celebration. The, the at the celebration, <laughs> and which was, of course, the anniversary of the flood as well. So, wow. you know, it all led to this day as well. So, yeah. um, and And what happened on that day? Uh, well, that again was you know because this project was part of many other projects that the City of Hobart did. So it was a bit of a, a coming together of a number of those projects. But mm. we did we did more drawing <laughs> and workshops, <laughs> and, and you did the story, and, with and I the did diorama. stories um, in this sort of little area around with the diorama mm. um, around the edge of the the rivulet. So again, it was celebrating, and for the children that had come. Although there are a lot of other children there as well. You know, the children that had come from some of those workshops, you know, recognised that these were the things they'd been doing mm. uh, and that really it was sort of celebrating and that mm. those stories all came from the workshops, the things we talked about in mm. the Rivulet. And mm. sort of it was an opportunity to celebrate and um, and do more of the same yes. except outside. And two
2: members of the public uh, started to mm. do lots of things and who hadn't been involved, who just came for the day. Um, so this was a... Drawings. Mm.
0: So this was a the, was a kind of collection of work that, that was called Resilient Hobart and it was mm. uh, supported by that local government. And one of the things mm. that we often look at is how crucial that role is of local government in creating mm. and instigating and supporting these kind of recovery processes and projects. They won an award, didn't they, the National Resilience they Award did. Yes, they in did. 2020 for the excellence. Mm. Um, yes. What's your perspective of artists how important that support was in terms of enabling you to implement this work or the kind of relationship that they have with their local creatives?
1: Well, I mean, we, we wouldn't have done it except for them. So, you know, they were really, in this case, they did approach us because they knew that we'd worked a lot together and with young children. Mm. Um, I think they identified that that was an area of need within the other projects that they had. Um, So I guess it was, you know, it was critical, that support. Um, And I guess, you know, for a council to be aware of where the areas are that they need to put in uh, additional supports and to be aware of using artists in those projects, I think was very... Mm.
2: I think they're very supportive of the local arts scene Mm. in the uh, Mm. City of Hobart. And I think they are aware, um, as artists themselves, many of them on staff, mm, mm. that the way the arts... Internal you know,
0: champions, that's pretty rare, isn't it? They are. yeah, <laughs> they're
2: fantastic. They're fantastic. And um, uh, they just know um, uh, the value of the arts opening up conversations in a different way. You know, people mm. are able to make connections through arts in 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 their own way, you know, it's a sensory thing, you know, they might hear something through, you know, music or see something mm. through performance or, or drawing. So it just opens up conversations and breaks down barriers. And so um, uh, I, I think the Council on the PG values mm, that. Mm, mm. Mm, mm.
1: And, yeah, they, they certainly were uh, at the forefront of it, really, and... We had lots of meetings with them. We had lots yes. of support from oh, them. oh gosh, lots of support from mm. them, yeah.
0: Mm. So in addition to the workshops, you've created this beautiful resource that documents the project. Yes. And yes. Uh, shares kind of creative ideas so that other communities can access that knowledge or that experience. What's the response been to that? Have you had any feedback from other places who have found it useful or have you felt that um, it's been able to get a bit of uh, attention outside of Hobart?
1: I mean, we certainly have had very positive feedback generally about the booklet, wherever um, you know, it's been shown or shared, people are being yeah. positive about it.
0: But Yeah, it's a beautiful re- resource, very accessible, and I know I've shared it with quite a number of people. There's a range of, I think there's a growing understanding too that these children, young people, particularly that very early, maybe non-verbal age are really mm-hmm. needing to have something to be able to process that experience. And resources mm-hmm. like yours are so um, important in supporting mm-hmm. that activity. Mm-hmm.
1: I think initially the booklet it's sort of like the whole project actually um because we really wanted to see what the children said and and be led by them in the process and um and so from the beginning there was the idea there might be a resource but we didn't actually set about no. what the resource was going to be we thought we would document the project so for us it would be to document our project in some way so oh. council helped with photographs we also had um Sarah Zika came yep. in and, and took photographs on the final day. And so it was really that, you know, working with what the children told us and then out of those images and out of the quotes of what people said, out of all those sort of documenting right yep. the way through, that emerged as a way to put the booklet together. So Because I think for us as
2: artists, it's really hard to be documenting. I know you know, people often say, oh, sorry, have you documented that? No. I don't have time to document it. I don't have the resources to document <laughs> yeah, yeah, it. another, yet another layout. Like, oh, yeah, hold that. I want that photograph. Yeah.
1: <laughs> so
2: I think it's really difficult to document. So in that way, mm. we are really fortunate that we mm. had the council behind us. Yes, that's right. So that That's was true,
0: whole, isn't it? Is, it isn't until afterwards. around it. Yeah. If
1: it was just us doing mm. this project, we, we wouldn't have been able oh, to do it. Oh, no, never. Look lunch. at all the ones we've done. We yeah. yeah. right. <laughs> <laughs> haven't got anything to show. That's right. Yeah, it's and interesting, it isn't it?
0: Because we don't often think about the the validity of how this might be used into the future. Because mm. we're so, Im- you know, so immersed in what we're trying to achieve through the project.
1: Yes. Mm, yeah, that's right.
0: And yeah. as you say, we, you know, we
1: we don't know with young children. It is hard. You know, it yeah. is a special area. And I I was just thinking of examples this morning, and um, I was reminded of this this young boy and little boy in one of the. First sessions we ran, you know, and we were we just drawn. I think we were using chalk, and we drawn all these the animals and everyone else in that what was happening on the river led. I don't know. We might have done our story of when the rain gets really loud, and uh, and then he was just had this, you know, blue, and he was going, he was drawing the blue over everything. Um, Now we hadn't actually directly said what happened to you when it flooded. But he drew that, he just drew it. He drew that the water went over everything and he said that's because the water just covered this, we were in a sort of um, a park, the water just covered this whole park when it flooded (laughs) and we had to go up to the higher ground, mum and dad and I or whatever. You know, so he talked about his whole story um, just through the opportunity to draw mm. and to do that activity. Mm. Um, now he may have told that story before or whatever, mm. but within this context, we were allowed giving the space, and the stories emerged. Mm. And I think it's it's a specific process. I think for younger children, mm. um, and and it does emerge if you give them the space. Mm. Mm. And stand back, allowed mm. to happen. Mm. Mm. Mm.
0: So this isn't the first project you've worked on together. I know that you've collaborated previously with projects for young people not necessarily around natural disasters but for I think particularly children young people in foster care Mm -hmm. Um, both projects probably have an underpinning of the work that the arts can be used as a tool to get work through different or difficult situations and experiences and assumably build a foundation for some sort of resilience building would you Mm -hmm. say that's the case is that the kind of premise from which you work or how would you uh, articulate yeah, well, your philosophy, I suppose, or methodology of how you work together.
2: Well, mine's really based, you know, in drawing and uh, skill-based, um, and and a language to support those skills. As I was saying before, so um, I um, so the outcome is owned by whoever we uh, work with, and when we're working in areas that are more vulnerable and people have uh, difficulty and. Um, you know, language and being able to express themselves, being able mm. to draw, just um, gives them a voice really, and mm. an understanding, and, and it makes their thinking uh, really visible. You know, we can we can see their th- thoughts, it's, and um, it you know, allows us to engage at a different level. I think, mm. and that's what we found in the, in the uh, foster care. Um, mm. It was. Absolutely surprising, wasn't it? Some mm. days you would think, yeah, how did that happen? You would never expect that to happen. That was really you know, wonderful, some mm. things that happened, really touching.
1: Yeah, I think um, cause the, the sort of backstory of all of what we've done together has mostly been supported by the early Tasmanian Early Years Foundation where we did a project which was really about valuing the arts for young mm. children, mm. and that's when we started working together mm in child in and Family Centres, which is um, uh, what we have in Tasmania for young children and families. And really, and then we sort of had this particular, Fostering Creativity was a particular project for children in out-of-home care. And it was really based at the arts and, um, and something I've even learned from working with Rosie is that we've always worked with the adults in these children's lives, yeah. whether they're carers or educators or parents. Um, that we always work with them at the same time or mm. and preferably even not separately from the children to mm. give them an opportunity to explore their creativity and so they understand the way we're working and some of the skills that Rosie's mm. talking about
0: but also perhaps to rebridge a different relationship between Exactly the oh totally
1: yes. because by giving them those opportunities and we've seen it time and time mm. again um you know that that opens up a way for them to connect mm. and that's probably you know, in different ways, and that's with educators, but with parents, with foster mm. carers, or you know, with parents, we we did a number of sessions on the foster care project with those children in out of home care who were, you know, having sessions with their with their parents. Yes, and so it was giving them an opportunity, one, to play together and to uh, draw in a way that was not about literacy, so that mm. wasn't a barrier. It was no. about drawing and. Uh, making images making marks together uh, so it gave them a way of mm. being together and I think that's probably uh, a I think, I- important I part in, of
2: the way we work yes I think in the you know, in the access visits that we had um, when we'd start to really draw and once again starting with a skyline you know across the page and then saying mm, so what's happening down here? Yeah. And so they'd start to draw down in the corner. And, and so it's, what's happening now? Do, are they hungry? Do they need something to eat? Is it a sunny day? Yeah, the dinner need shade. So all this conversation that you lead people into drawing and then they take over the drawing then anyway. And quite often, uh, you know, one example, I remember working with a teenage girl who did the most extraordinary drawing that showed that she wanted to be with her parents and Mm. um, uh, I, you know it ended up with me actually going to the school and speaking to the staff because she hadn't spoken to anyone about this but once it came out in the drawing it was really moving Mm. so yes lots of things that you don't expect happen Mm. um, happened and um, but once again we worked with the staff and the sector before we worked with the children so the staff would feel comfortable in our way of working. And I think that's the most important thing, so that when you're going into a sector, you have
1: their support and understanding of how you're going to work. And we did a lot of work in trying to also, um, you know, create all those kits and things so yes. that, and a few skills so that mm. we were um, offering to the staff for them to use quick little sort of drawing activities or Mm. or telling story activities in the moments that they have with the the children. Mm. So it was giving them that it didn't have to be complicated or they didn't need a whole workshop. Mm. They could actually have um, encounters which were, you know, based in drawing or a different creative modality. So to sort of help them... And I think
2: people think that a drawing has to be of something, and it doesn't. A drawing is a mark in response to what you're looking at. It's Mm, a process. It's it's a plan. It's in what you're thinking. So, having a moment to sort of, you know, have that, but to have the materials with you. So that's why we made these kits that were quite basic, but they had uh, pencils and paper in these little uh, kits. Mm. And, and the children actually took it from their home to their foster parent too mm. uh, so they could walk around with these little drawing kits. And, the arts um,
0: emergency kit. We think every yeah. uh, should <laughs> have it. an, an arts emergency kit. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
1: That's a great name. We should have called that one. <laughs> yeah. Mm. Uh, yeah. So it was opening, I think, yeah, it's it's a relational way of working, way of being. It's not therapy as such. Mm. It's not we're not analysing what they're drawing or um, we're, we're just giving them opportunities mm. to create and it is often about creating. Of course, it's young children is yes. creating with, with adults. It's standing back and listening.
2: Mm. And, and you treat everyone, um you know, it's the same whether you're working with an adult or a child. You, you're just standing back and listening and responding to that. And I think that works in, in every mm. sector that we go mm. to, really. It's not going in as I say. I really plan like that, but it's not going in with an outcome. The outcome mm. belongs with a preconceived
0: the idea of what you mm. want. No, but, but we want the, the yes. Mm, yeah, sorry. that's the epitome of the creative responder. Listening, mm. being being Tiny. able to offer a space to listen. Beautiful. Mm.
2: And sometimes that could go on. Yeah, if we had the opportunity to work with children, we could follow that for weeks. Mm. <laughs> but we only had two weeks to follow it up, so that was where the reflecting on the first week to build on the second week was important. But um, if you have a longer opportunity, as we did with, with the creative connections, we were able to build further and further, and further mm. on mm. their ideas and thoughts and support that their thinking,
0: mm. Mm. reframe the self determination in thinking mm. of their lives. Well, it's been such a pleasure talking to you both and hearing about the intricacies of your work, so I would have loved to participate. participated. It sounds like an amazing an amazing experience that you've shared. Thank you for your interest. And, yeah, thank you. That was well, it's a beautiful resource. I really congratulate you on it. I think it's a really great tool for people to engage with and th- yeah, I want to thank you for sharing your practice so generously. I look forward to hearing about your work as it continues, too, because I'm sure, inevitably, we will run into each other again. And thank you again for yes. your contribution and for um, catching up today. Thank
1: you. Thanks a lot, Scotia. Great, great to start.
0: Thanks for joining me for Creative Responders in Conversation. And a special thanks to Rosie and Lee for such an insightful discussion. We'll include links in the show notes if you'd like to learn more about the Afloat project and we'll also link to the full suite of award-winning Resilient Hobart projects if you'd like to see those. As you heard in our conversation, there is a comprehensive resource booklet about Afloat which I highly recommend to anyone interested in working with young people in this kind of way. You can find the link to that in the show notes and also in the resource library on our website at creativerecovery.net.au. I'd also suggest if you haven't already listened to our documentary series, our very first episode of Season 1 is all about the role of young people in disaster management. If you're interested in hearing more about the importance of fostering leadership and self-determination among young people facing disaster or trauma. We'll be back next month with another conversation. I hope you can join us then. This podcast is produced by me, Scotia Monkiewicz, and my Creative Recovery Network colleague, Jill Robson. Our sound engineer is Tiffany Demack, and original music is composed by Mikey Squire. The Creative Recovery Network is assisted by the Australian Government through the Australia Council, its arts funding and advisory body. Thanks for listening.